Good morning, Highland. It's good to see you here today. My name is Shane Hughes. I'm one of the ministers here. And if you're here in the auditorium or you're with us online, we're glad to have your presence here. Before we jump into the sermon, and it's, it's an important sermon today, I want to just kind of celebrate and let you know. Uh, back last summer, there was a dream that began with a few young parents and they noticed something. They noticed that after second service, uh, they were kind of congregating all in that south atrium, and their kids were having an amazing time playing tag and other games, and they didn't really want to knock any old folk over. And so they, they asked. They came to the church and they asked. They said, can we do something about this space because we love it and we love this church? And so wheels began to turn and people began to dream and we came to you in October and we said, we have an idea. We can remodel that South Atrium, but more, more importantly, we can create a space, a play space for our children to play after services and before services. We're going to use that same space for our young children's world during the week. And we're going to use that space in the summer for our neighborhood when it's 115 degrees outside and young moms want an air-conditioned place to sit and relax for a few minutes. And you responded. And then we realized, like, we've got bathrooms that were built in, like, 1846 back there. And they need some help. That's not true. They weren't built in 1846. Uh, but they did need help. And, I mean, those bathrooms at the toothpaste is gone from that, too. We have squeezed it all out. And so we came to the church and we said, if you believe in this, then jump aboard. And your faithfulness responded. And I'm, I'm pleased to tell you that you cannot exit out of that side of the auditorium, except for emergencies. If there's a fire, go. But otherwise, you cannot exit out of that side of the auditorium this, this afternoon because uh, the reconstruction has begun. And we are thrilled about that. Um, we are hopeful that this will be done by Easter, but we also realize that, you know, kind of supply systems and chains may back us up, and so we might be delayed. Uh, we are not able to begin our north bathrooms which are in slightly better condition yet, uh, but we hope in the next couple of years to complete those as well. So what I predict is, is two things. One is most of the young families that typically sit over here are going to kind of migrate over to this side because it's a lot closer from this side to get to the green room and back uh, so you can catch the beginning of this sermon because that's where the good jokes are. And uh, so I want to invite all of you Northsiders in our congregation, uh, be hospitable. And if somebody takes your seat, it's because they want to hear a good joke. Speaking of good joke, I have got a lot to tell you today, so I only have one uh, for this sermon. It's going to happen right now. What do you call a fish with no eyes? That didn't go over your head. It went under your head. That's pretty simple. My six-year-old loved that joke. All right, so what we're talking about, what we're going to talk about today is vision. We're going to talk about what Highland is going to do for the next three years. And I am thrilled about this. I want to share with you the restoration vision for 2025. And before we jump into this, I need to tell you the difference between mission and vision, just so we're all clear. Mission abides in the heart of God. I'm borrowing this from Tim Keller and others. Mission is the work of God that does not change and does not cease. God has always wanted the same thing since the beginning. It's the restoration of God's people back to God's self. From Genesis 3 to Revelation 22, God has consistently done the same thing, called people back to God. 
to free people from the shackles of sin, to release them to unique flourishing, experience the abundance of the good life in God. And we as Christians believe that the best life is found in Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. That vision does, that mission does not change. But vision is a little bit different because vision is how mission plays out in local contexts. And different places require different contextualization. You wouldn't plant the same kind of church in the Bronx, New York, as you would plant in sub-Saharan Africa. You wouldn't plant the same kind of church in China as you would in Abilene. And so vision is how God's kingdom spread gets played out in flesh and bone here. And that takes us in a lot of different directions even in the same place, because we've been gifted differently by the same Spirit. For instance, here at this church, Linda Egel had a vision to help impoverished women from rural uh, villages in India to provide food for their families through these microeconomic opportunities, and Eternal Threads was born. Joyce Dalzell had the vision um, to equip the underemployed for a meaningful vocation, and FaithWorks was born. People from this church had a vision to reach the underrepresented neighborhoods in our city with the message and hope of Jesus, and grace and freedom were born. The mission of God never changes, but vision does. Vision relies on context, and it relies on capability. It relies on listening to the Spirit of God, as it nudges us toward the kingdom. And sometimes that happens like going up a mountain and hearing a voice from God that says, here's where you need to go next. Finding the burning bush in the desert that tells you where your next experience should be. Sometimes it comes through addition. Sometimes, like in the books of Acts 11 through 15, it comes from subtraction. Peter and the other apostles are learning about who actually is invited to the kingdom by breaking down a barrier that they've had in their mind. So mission sometimes comes from engaging something new, and other times it comes by giving up an idea that is old. So let's pray as we enter into this time together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this gathering of people. We're grateful for the worship that we have shared, we hope that it is incense arising to your throne. We are grateful to remember your son Jesus, the sacrifice and victory that he experienced here at the table. And now, Father, as we, as we turn our hearts and our minds to your word, I pray that you pour through me the gift of preaching, that I might speak your truth to these, your people, in love. It's in Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. So what I want us to do first is to spend a minute dwelling in the Word about the ministry of reconciliation, of restoration. And then I want to, and then I want to share with you where our leadership has been dreaming about where we're going to go for the next three years. I want you to hear the Word of the Lord from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't mind, please stand. Beginning in verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though once we knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer that way. So if anyone is in Christ, 
There is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What Paul is saying there to that church in Corinth that's been troubled by identity, please be seated. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, what Paul is telling that, that troubled church in Corinth is that it is because of Christ that we've been reconciled to God. And because of that reconciliation, because of that transformation that happens when the Spirit embodies us, because of the realization that the life that we are living is no longer okay, because of the power of forgiveness that we experience when we meet Christ in the waters, we can no longer see the world the way that we used to. We can no longer see the world the way things were because things have been transformed. And I find it fascinating in this text that when Paul is talking about transformation, he's not just talking about an inward change that happens in your heart. He's talking about creation. Somehow, through the mystery and the power of God, your reconciliation transforms the world around you. We can no longer see things from the old point of view because they aren't that way anymore. We were reconciled because of God's great love. And that reconciliation has made us what Paul calls ambassadors. We carry the good news. Of all the things in the universe, the billion different ways that God could have chose to God, reveal God's self, he chose you to carry the message of the king. I have this elder that was at Campbell, and I heard him start this conversation probably two dozen times over a lunch with someone new. And we would go out and we'd sit and we'd talk, and he'd ask the same question. It always led to kind of the same place, but this, the question was simple. He said, you know, why didn't God just put up in flashing letters on the moon, I am here, I love you? Why didn't God do it that way? Why didn't God just interrupt television in the middle of the Super Bowl and say, I'm real and I care? God chose of all the million different ways to share his love. The key one, the most important, is you. And the wonder of it all is that you get to share in the restoration of all things. The way that you live your life, the way that you have courage to speak truth, the way that you can show mercy instead of judgment, all of those things engage in recreating the world and making everything different. God has made you an ambassador, and that's, that's good news. And so when we talk about restoration, I want us to be careful that we understand what we mean. Just recently, it was a couple of months ago, uh, somebody found in an old barn, and it was a farmhouse of uh, a Shelby Mustang. Now, there was a lot of Mustangs made in the 60s, but there was only 562 Shelby Mustangs built. It's a very rare car. 
And someone had bought one of those Mustangs and, and it quit running and he put it in the car, he put a tarp over it, and just, I guess, forgot it was there. And then that person passed and their estate came in, their kids came in and opened up the barn and thought, oh my goodness, this rare car. And they began the work of restoration. I mean, the car had this, the same wheels. I mean, they were all rotted out. The tires were gone. Had all the same parts, all the original leather, but mice had gotten in there and turned it all into nests. And, 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 but they were going to restore that car. And that car, when it was done, it would be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, incredibly valuable. It might be the last Shelby Mustang ever discovered on the face of this earth. That's not the restoration that God is talking about. God's restoration does not lead to the past. It leads to the future. It's more like my brother. My dad, and probably like his quarter-life crisis, I don't know exactly what was going on, he bought a Fiat Spider convertible. It was mustard yellow. And I have very distinct memories of riding in the back of that car with the top down, and uh, it's just loud as all get out. It was so much fun to ride with my dad in that car. Well, eventually something broke on that car and we didn't have enough money to fix it. And it ended up in our garage and then a tarp ended up over it and it was kind of forgotten. And one day my brother went out to the garage back at my mom's house and opened up the door and thought, I could do something with this. And so he's like, he asked his mom, hey, can I have dad's old car? And mom was like, sure. So he fixed up the tires. He took it back to Tennessee and he figured out what's wrong with a Fiat Spider is that apparently Fiat in the 1970s did not know how to build water pumps. And so he's replaced the water pump about five times. He's so frustrated with that, he just took the whole engine out. He's not going to restore my dad's car. He's putting in a, an electric engine. The restoration of, of my dad's car is not going to point to the past. It points to the future. In God's restoration, he makes everything new. In such time as these, we cannot look to the past and be drugged by nostalgia or a false sense of security. And a church that is promising these things to you is lying to you. The answer is not in the past. We must look to the future. And have no doubt, the landscape of our culture has changed, and we must both adapt and hold fast at the same time. We must hold fast to our values and the mission that we have been called, and we must adapt the means and the message of our church to reach our city. And for most of the past two years, no one has the opportunity to do much long-term planning. We all remember that sting of canceled vacations or anniversary trips or uh, birthday parties that we couldn't celebrate. And we also remember the isolation of our children being out of schools. For some of us, the past two years have been an inconvenience. For others, they've been devastating. And we're with you. We are at a crossroads. Much has changed in the past two years. And churches in general have lost momentum. Churches have been infiltrated by our culture, telling us that our unity is fragile, that politics and decisions about how to elective, collectively live during the pandemic, white supremacy and fear, fear have divided and in some cases split the unity that God desires. Now I want you to hear me, none of those questions are morally neutral questions. It has been a difficult time, but in that difficult time, God has been faithful.
But here at Highland, as, as we've kind of gone into a season of, of planning and prayer and seeing what God is doing in our world and, our, and in our city and, and figuring out what's the best way for us to join God in that work, we look forward with hope to the next three years. Last fall, we walked through the book of Philippians together. The series was called Every. Maybe you remember the big backdrop that we had behind us. And what we learned from the book of Philippians was a profound understanding of the nature of Christ. Because of Christ's example of giving up everything, abandoning heaven, abandoning God, abandoning heaven, every resource to become a human, not only a human, but a slave, not only a slave, but one set to die. That we follow that model that we found at the end of that story is that in Jesus' willingness to give up, God will exalt and raise up. And so we follow that vision as we follow Christ to the next three years. And so I want us to, to think about not just the next three years, but I want us to think about the original vision, restoration vision, that was cast by Jonathan Stormont and some others ten years ago. And I want us to take a moment to celebrate this vision. One of our goals was to remodel this auditorium. You might remember, if you're an old-timer here, the old seats that would swallow children whole. Well, we've replaced those, and we've made our space a little more hospitable. One of our goals was to pay off the church debt. We have been completely debt-free since 2020, and that is a remarkable goal. One of our goals was to make a Highland a hospitable place for our neighbors and our friends. Grace and uh, Freedom Fellowship were planted as an effort to bring more people into the love of God. One of our goals was to broaden our reach to the homeless in Brazil through partners at CL to combat human trafficking uh, in Southeast Asia by partnering with Urban Light and the Church of Christ in Chiang Mai, to work to make peace in partnering with the Arab Baptists, creating a space where Jewish and Muslim teens can discover that they have more that they share in common than what divides them. Our goal was to work to expand grace and freedom. And although we had a broad reach, we were able to achieve all of these things by the grace and power of God. Our reach, however, was higher than our grasp. There were certain things we did not achieve. One of the things we had planned was a goal to become a 3,000-member church. And we had a goal of ending homelessness in Abilene. And we got halfway on that second one. Through partnerships and a coalition that started in this building, we were the catalyst for ending functional homelessness for every veteran in Abilene. And what that means is that within six weeks, any veteran that's on the streets of Abilene now has a housing first option as a place to stay. That conversation began uh, in this building and continued in our city. However, our goal was to end all of homelessness in Abilene and so through a strategic partnership with City Square in Dallas, we hope to transform the historic St. Anne's Hospital to a place where, using a housing first model, we would be able to co provide comfort in the name of Jesus for all who had need. City Square's strategy relied on selling corporate tax bonds to fully fund the project. And like many things, the pandemic changed the course of our expectation. In March 2020, most of the corporate entities that were already on board held back out of uncertainty of the future, and the project did not happen. 
And so in many ways, I think that our last 10-year vision showed us that God is faithful to our best effort. And as we partner with God, we get to be a part of the restoration of the world. And so now we look forward to our next three years. And so I want to share with you three core realities of our present. The first core reality is that we are in a long uh, national uh, transition uh, affecting every church that has suddenly accelerated. There's kind of been a, a long, gradual decline of church attendance and membership in America. You could call it the secularization of America. Um, that's not unique to Abilene, but it's, it's true everywhere. What's also true everywhere is that in the last two years, the acceleration of that secularization has increased. The second is that weekly attendance here at Highland has dropped from 2020. Our membership has dipped, but our attendance has dropped some in the last couple of years. But the third point, which I have hope in about the core reality of our present, is that God is still faithful. God is still at work in our city, God is still at work in our church, and God is still at work in our world. And so we have found three uh, core uh, virtues, visions, uh, three core values, that was the word I was looking for, that are going to guide us in our future. The first is that Highland cares deeply about evangelizing and discipling the next generation, whether they're ours by blood or by the blood of Christ. It does not matter if they're our children or if they're children that God has brought into our midst, we are going to love them and tell them about Jesus. And one of the things that Highland cares passionately about is the next generation. And the reality of our environment is that because of the secularization of America, we can no longer count on the effort that we've made in the past to be enough, and so we're doubling down. The second value is that Highland seeks to find the heart of God in service to the poor and the disenfranchised in our city, in our world. That is not going to change here at Highland. And third, our purpose is not for ourselves, but for God calls us and those who come after us. So those, those three core values are going to guide and grow our future. And so I want to share with you now the three main pillars of our vision. If you want to know where we're headed, this is where we're going to go. We reach up by reaching out. If you want to know the heart of God in a more clear way, if you want to grow more intimate with God, then, then reach out. Find someone to serve. There's a paradox there. And, and what we do to serve others is actually serving God. And knowing God is, is made clear by loving other people. And so we reach up by reaching out. And when God gives us blessings, we share it. It's like a little axiom that I've seen floating around in the last couple of years. When you have extra, you don't build a bigger wall, you build a longer table. And so one of the values that's going to guide us in the future is we're going to figure out how to build a Lord's Supper table as long as we possibly can to include everyone so that everyone knows that they are welcome here at this church and here in the love of Jesus. And last, we get bigger by getting smaller. Which again, sounds like a paradox, but it's absolutely true. This is the one stat that I'm going to share with you today. It's about 60%. Right now, at Highland, about 60% of us are engaged in a small group, a huddle, or an adult Bible class. Which, if you look at the trends from 2017 or 18, a church our size would have about 15 to 20% engaged in a small group. 
And you might think to yourself, wow, Highland's really killing it on the small group field. That's not exactly true. What I think has happened is in the last two years, the people that are still connected to us are, are so because they've been connected to a small group. They have found intimacy with someone near them, and that's helped them stay connected to God. If I had a time machine and I could go back four years, I would scream as loud as I could to everybody that was possibly around, build small groups because it's going to be the lifeboat that's going to get us through the next three years. But the reality is the truth that we've learned is the truth that it's going to apply. We're going to get big by getting smaller. So let me share with you the goals of our vision for 2025. The first is renewed hospitality. As we restore Highland, we're going to complete the South Fourier remodel. We're going to complete the bathroom, restroom remodel. Uh, we're going to do this so that we can be a better place, more hospitable for the people that want to come and join our mission. We want to make this a place that when somebody walks in, they feel comfortable and feel it's like a place that they can let their kids run around in. We're going to revive ourselves to discipling and evangelizing the next generation. This is absolutely key. We cannot do what we've done in the past and continue to expect our children to be discipled in a way that's adequate, that it prepares them for a life in a secular culture. And so what we've done, we've partnered with uh, Fuller Seminary in their growing young effort. And we're going to use the principles, the values of growing young to help our church to engage our youngest population the most clearly. We're talking about high school up to about 29, young adults. You might think, I thought this when I first came to Abilene, that the largest demographic in Abilene was 65 and over, retirees. Uh, that's not true. The largest demographic in Abilene is 18 to 29. And it's our job as a church to reach them in the name of Jesus. And so you're going to see a lot of efforts on our platform and behind the scenes. Our church, our, our staff has already begun engaging this in a serious way to make this place a place where young people can not only come and be welcomed, but a place where they can own responsibility, where they can have keys to the building, literally sometimes, uh, where they can hear the message of Jesus in a voice that they understand. We're going to engage Abilene spiritually from Highland beyond Sunday morning. One of the most frustrating things that I think I experience uh, as, as, a, as a minister here is that most of you hear podcasts by Wednesday that exceed the amount of sermon time by about 10 times. Most of us are listening to more TV by 5 o'clock on Sunday than we experience worshiping together. We are losing a battle in media for people's attention and their eyes. And so one of the things you're going to see in the coming few months is a rollout of some podcasts, some social media stuff, some viral storytelling, as we share the story of Highland with ourselves to begin to combat the amount of attention that we're losing to social media. Next, we're going to rekindle our effort of evangelism. And it's going to look in a million different ways. We're going to try everything to see what works. We're going to engage in connection events like Fall Fest. It's a really easy way to invite one of those five neighbors that lives around you to an event because they have kids or they have grandkids. It's a fun place to be. We're going to expand the small group ecosystem to include evangelism incubators, male and female affinity groups, and one new expression for young adults at Highland. Now, we don't know exactly what that is yet because we don't have our, our college young adult minister in place yet. But one of the things that you're going to see is that we've learned that small groups are an incubator to create new opportunities. And so we're going to try everything to see what works. 
I'm excited to tell you that we've revitalized a gathering that's been missing in Highland for uh, the last few years. We're going to have a women's gathering, kind of like a retreat, uh, this May. Uh, It's going to be an exciting opportunity for, for the women in this church to come together and tell their stories, to be known and to be seen. One of our goals here at Highland is to be a Revelation 7 Church. The, 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 the vision cast by John at Revelation chapter 7 is, a, is, is the throne room of God and every tribe, every nation, every people, every language is gathered together to worship the glory of God. But what we know about restoration is that it begins now. It doesn't, we don't have to wait for heaven to experience that. And so we're going to put all of our effort so that all those that would be gathered at the heavenly banquet will be gathered here. That means we're going to be transformed by the inclusion of women in every aspect of leadership at Highland. We're going to commit to a concerted effort to reflect the demographic makeup of Abilene through intentional staff hires and platform representation. We want to look like our city. We want to look like the heavenly banquet. We want to engage everyone in the kingdom of God. As we restore Highland, we are equally committed to restoring Abilene. One of the beautiful, uh, it's kind of a synergy that's happening that the amount that we're going to spend on the remodel is the amount that we're going to spend to restore Highland. We've committed to spend approximately a half million dollars on restore Abilene yet to be determined projects. Uh, Part of the reason why we don't know what those are yet is because we haven't prayed and, and gathered enough conversation to tell what those are. But we're excited about what God is going to do in our city. And as we reach out to love the least of these in our city, we'll find that they come to our doors because we honestly care about them. One of the ways we can do that is to commit to combat food scarcity in Abilene through mobile food providers. One of the things we've seen as an evolution, uh, partly because of the pandemic, but partly just because of reality in our nation, is that food pantries are having to begin to bring meals to people that are in need. You've probably heard the term food desert. It's when somebody lives more than a mile from a grocery store, and so it's difficult for them to get fresh food. Well, our pantry serves our entire city, but it's only in one location. And the pandemic has revealed that there are a lot of people that do not have the ability to travel. And so we're going to bring the food to them. We're going to continue our commitment to provide dignity to those whom we serve by offering choices of fresh food and vegetables, but to offer the things that they really want to need, not just giving them what we think they need. And we hope to begin some experiments on the margins with this in the next few months. Uh, Before we commit to spending a whole lot of money, we're going to try this out and test it out. And and some of you are going to be asked to drive a van to someone that is in need and deliver that box of food. We're going to commit to partnering and promoting local organizations focused on child advocacy and protection. A new expression may include a relationship with CASA or foster uh, family support and care or the new group coming out, Foster 325. We're going to work to restore Highland. We're going to partner with God to restore Abilene. And we're going to continue to restore the world. Part of the beauty that uh, Jonathan Stormont and Darren Reese had in creating our Restore the World strategy is that we moved from supporting a lot of groups a little bit to just a few groups completely. Uh, We are all in in our mission uh, commitments. 
And some of that commitment means that we're going to be there for 20 years, 25 years. We have a very long horizon on this. The reason that we do this is because it provides security for our missionaries. Uh, they know that they can rely on us to provide funding so that they can do the long-term work. And they don't have to worry about coming back to the U.S. and raising more funds every three to five years. And so we are keeping our commitments to Brazil, to Thailand, to Myanmar, and to Lebanon. But we hope. We hope to add one new partnership and restore the world. And we're hoping... We're focusing right now on refugee care or a similar emphasis. And the beauty of this is, is similar to what, how Darren designed the whole thing. It's, it's really elegant that the work that we do here in Abilene is reflected in the work that we're doing in the world. And there's refugees to take care of right here. There are families that we can love, but there are also many people around the world that are being displaced by political, economic, and climate crises. And they're going to need our help too. I'm excited to tell you that our, the way our elders and our staff, our ELT, our leadership, and some trusted advisors have been thinking and praying and talking about this for the last year and a half, that we finally get to share it with you today. This is part one of what we're going to talk about when it comes to vision. I want you to come back next week. In fact, I want you to turn to your partner if you're here with somebody and say, we're going to be here next week. Because I want to share with you how you get involved what you can do, what our church can do to be a part of what God is doing to restore Highland, Abilene, and the world. Will you please stand for our benediction? May God's mercy be evident to you every step you take this week. May the presence of the Spirit guide your steps and your words as you care for one another. May Jesus Christ burn brightly in your eyes. And as you go, not through those doors, but through these doors, go in peace.